returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years, but nobody could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, there are people crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all of the people, she told them why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead, but he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. As Andy said, I'm Lydia, and I'm the children's minister here. It's great to see you. All week, as I've been sort of trying to work out what God has wanted me to say this evening, my preparation has taken me in a bit of a a weird direction, and I haven't been able to get a song out of my head. And um, it's a song from Disney's latest film, Encanto, which, if you haven't seen, is amazing, and I highly recommend. The soundtrack is glorious. Uh, But for anyone who hasn't got a clue what I'm talking about, the film centres on a family who all have special individual gifts. And one of them has this gift of super strength, uh, Louisa. And this song is sort of about her grappling with the expectations that her gift has. So some of the lyrics, and I'm going to try not to sing them because that would be embarrassing, um, but it goes like this. Under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walker in a three-ring circus. Under the surface, was Hercules ever like, yo, I don't want to fight Cerberus? Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. A flaw or a crack, the straw in the stack that breaks the camel's back. What breaks the camel's back? It's pressure like a drip, drip, drip that will never stop. Whoa, you can see why that's hard not to sing along. And that's just a short excerpt, hopefully leaving you wanting more. Uh, But this song has been incredibly popular with people. And I think the reality is a lot of us can relate to this idea of feeling a real sense of pressure of other people's expectations. And I think especially in our culture, which sort of venerates the self-made man or woman, like, you can do it, you don't need anyone else, you go for it. But actually, inwardly, we can feel the pressure of that expectation. And expectation is a really powerful thing, I think, especially when things don't match our expectations or even when things exceed our expectations. We can be left feeling a little bit 
like when you're stare, when you miss a stare, whatever that feeling is, is called. But I think this passage talks about expectation. And it's an expectation around healing. It's an expectation that is wholly to do with Jesus. And even from the beginning of the passage in verse 40, it says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they all were expecting him. So I just want to pray for us this evening. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you that we are here together to uh, spend time with you and each other and learn more about you. Bless the words that I speak and would they be from you. Amen. So I think this passage has two quite well-known healing stories in. As healing stories go, I think these two are up there. And rather tonight than unpacking a sort of thorough theology of healing, which I'm definitely not going to do because I only have about 15 minutes, I just want to touch on five things I think this passage says about healing. So firstly, and I've alluded to this already, all of us come with expectations about who Jesus is and what he should do in a given circumstance or what he will do in a given circumstance. So we see the crowds welcome Jesus. And this is just after um, where Jesus has healed a demon out. And I just wonder, have they heard about this? Have they heard about the healings he's already done? What is it? What are they expecting from him? We don't really know the nature of their expectations, but we know there's something about Jesus. We read in the Gospels how his ministry attracted people, how his teaching was how he was followed by crowds. People wanted to know more. Something was drawing people to him. And in verse 42, we read that the crowds almost crushed him. Isn't there this huge irony that the person they were so excited and so desperate to see was almost crushed under the weight of their expectation, in a way? Did they have in mind what they wanted Jesus to do? And I wonder when we come to Jesus in prayer, do we sometimes welcome him with the roadmap of what we want him to do already laid out? Especially when it comes to healing. Uh, We usually want someone or ourselves to be healed in a very specific way. I think we have to be really sensitive when we talk about healing. I was speaking with my mum this evening before coming over here and I asked for her permission to share this. Uh, my mum and dad lost their eldest child when he was nine. Um, I never knew him. He died the year before I was born. And yes, it's a horrible time to lose your child, nine years of life with him. But he had had people praying for him all over the world and in their church community. And one of the things they found the hardest was dealing with the expectations of the church once he had died. There was sort of this sense that, You didn't have enough faith. And they really felt that. And I think that is absolutely tragic that they felt that. So I realize as I stand here, this is a sensitive topic. We have people we know and love who are ill, who are hurting. We ourselves may be ill or in pain or whatever it was. And we may be desperate for God to do something tonight. Maybe it's emotional, maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, maybe it's spiritual. 
it can often feel like we're surrounded by pain and sickness, can't it? And we see that in this passage. There's two very sick people, a daughter, a girl on the brink of death, and a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time. (laughs) And in the midst of this, there is Jesus. So in verse 41, we see Jairus approach Jesus, and we're told that he's a synagogue leader. And this sense that our status doesn't stop us from going through hard times. And he pleads with Jesus, come to my house, my daughter's dying. We don't know what Jairus expected Jesus to do. But what we do know, we hear his desperation. I think we know even less about the expectations of the bleeding woman who enters the scene in verse 43. But we often interpret her to be thinking something along the lines of, I know this man is powerful. If I could just touch his cloak, maybe I'll be healed. And actually, in Matthew's account of the story, in Matthew 9, is that he says something to that um, means. He says that, that she was thinking that. It's good to be aware of what our expectations are when we come to Jesus, when we come to him in prayer, when we come asking for healing when we approach him. Me and a friend at college were going through a difficult time and we sort of coined this phrase, which is quite cheesy, but we used to say it to each other. And that was to be real, to be raw, and to be ready. So the sense of raw, real even, so was the first one. Being real in what we were expecting, owning it up to it. Being raw in that actually sometimes it's really hard to be real. It's a painful process, opening yourself up. And then to be ready to do what God said. We bought ourselves and then we hoped for God to tell us what to do next. So one, be aware of our expectations when we come to Jesus. Secondly, I think this passage shows us, and this leads quite nicely on from that being real thing, that we can come to Jesus in the reality of our situations, the reality of our sicknesses, the reality of ourselves. No matter how irrelevant or how shameful we think those things can be. We have a man here who is so afraid for the life of his daughter. And we have a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years with no one being able to heal her. So she would have been an outcast of society. Socially, considered socially unclean because of her bleeding. And yet both of these people choose to approach Jesus. One openly, Jairus, and one quietly, and that's probably due to her status, this woman, not wanting to be noticed by anyone. I think, uh, if you're British here tonight, sometimes I think we're a bit awkward about things. <laughs> we use sort of vague and veiled expressions to talk about the things wrong with us, whether that's physically, whether that's emotionally, whether that's mentally. And I also think we do that with our spirituality. I think our spiritual sickness, we can often not want to talk about it openly for fear of judgment. We're not open by nature, I don't think, and I'm including myself in this. But the way of Jesus, that allows us to bring our whole selves to him and then to be loved, to be accepted, to be nurtured, 
the Gospels are full of people like us approaching Jesus in the reality of who they are and what they're dealing with. Jesus will not reject you on account of your health, even if others have. Thirdly, Jesus wants miracles, healing miracles, and I think more generally displays of his power to be in relationship with him, to happen in relationship with him. Sorry. Uh, let me explain what I mean. Healing is a wonderful gift in of itself. But relationship with Jesus is the better gift. We see with Jairus, Jesus walking alongside him on the way to his house. And then in verse 50, when he has this news that his daughter's died, we see Jesus speaking tenderly with him. He goes into the house, he enters into the confusion, and he tries to bring calm and peace. He just takes his three disciples with him. And he tells the, the crowds to stop wailing, which I really enjoy, I don't know why, but that's verse 52. And then this healing miracle happens in the domesticity of the house. And it's followed by the order to have something to eat. It's real life. It's almost mundane if it wasn't so magnificent. But with the woman, however, there's this different feel. Her bleeding stops immediately, we read in verse 34. And Jesus asks, who touched me? And we see a classic Peter moment here where Peter's like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> There's a huge crowd. Like, It doesn't really matter who touched you, does it? But Jesus says again, knowing that power has gone from him. There's a debate to be had about whether Jesus actually needed to ask who touched me. Because he actually didn't know, maybe, because he was limited by his humanity. Or whether his asking was an invitation and I think I tend more towards that interpretation. Because otherwise, I, why did it matter? Jesus had the power to heal. Why did he need to know who he had healed? But I think that by asking again, he knew he would encourage this woman to step forward into the limelight. Verse 47 says, The woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Jesus then publicly affirms her. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I love this. I love that public affirmation. There was no rebuke. There was no questions about her background. There was no questions about her sort of imprudence of touching him. There was just loving acceptance which gave her this chance to speak in front of the crowds and proclaim what miraculous thing had happened to her. And I think relationship is so important. The, the healing was amazing, but then Jesus affirms her, calls her daughter. I was once part of a church which had a really strong emphasis on a healing ministry. And whilst I absolutely believe God can and does heal today, I've got to be honest, I sometimes found the emphasis a little bit lacking. I think it was because often what was gloried was the healing in of itself. 
But actually, I think it's the relationship that makes healing so beautiful. Relationship is what grounds these things and helps give us appropriate boundaries in understanding them. If we only have faith as long as God heals us in the way we expect and desire, what happens if he doesn't? What happens to our faith? I believe in miracles, um, but I believe miracles exist in order to showcase God's character and encourage faith and belief in him, not in the outcome of the miracle. Like I said, I love Jesus' public affirmation here. I find it really powerful. This miracle would have changed this woman's life. It would have changed Jairus' life as well. And I imagine it wasn't just the physical healing they would remember. I'm sure both of them would have remembered Jesus' gentleness and love and how Jesus entered Jairus' home and how he brought powerful healing in that. Fourthly, linked to this, faith in Jesus matters. It was Jesus who Jairus and this woman approached, like I said. It was Jesus they put their faith in, even in the face of death, even in the possibility of public shame. Jesus is the one they considered worth risking everything for. Every day, whether we're aware of it or not, we put our faith in things. We all have faith. It's just what we put that faith in. Usually it's quite mundane things, like we have faith that our heating's going to work in the middle of the night, or we have faith that the food we bought is going to be good, um, or we have faith that a bus is going to turn up. Maybe not that one, but we have faith in things. But if you're a Christian here tonight, that means you've committed to following Jesus. And by extension, following Jesus means trusting him, having faith in him. Who wants to follow someone they don't trust? And by that, I mean we have to trust he is who he says he is. That he has done what he has said he has done. And that he is the resurrection and the life. Which is something he says about himself in John chapter 11. Faith means trusting in the face of fear and uncertainty. Trusting not some unknown, absent power, but trusting Jesus, who the writer of Hebrews tell us, tells us is the author and perfecter of our faith. Trusting that no matter what the outcome is, Jesus is good. Like I said, we don't trust in the power of the miracle apart from Jesus. It is Jesus who heals Jesus who conquered death. Jesus who we trust. It always, always has to be in the context of Jesus. Healing at its very heart is about who Jesus is. Fifthly and lastly, it is Jesus who does the miraculous. And he does do the miraculous. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Verse 44. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. 
verses 54 to 55. Twelve years of bleeding, discomfort, shame, exclusion ended in an instance. Death reversed with his words. We worship an incredible God, a God who can do the miraculous, a God we can have faith in. Just as I was, I was writing this message, and I was in Starbucks, because it's my favorite place to write sermons, um, but I managed to break a glass, and it wasn't one of those like nice, clean breaks. It was one of those absolutely everywhere, everyone in the shop tends to look at you sort of breaks. It was highly embarrassing. <laughs> but that is the effect of Jesus' healings. They were earth-shattering not glass shattering, Um, but they were life-changing moments that grabbed the attention of all who experienced them or heard about them. So to recap what I've been saying, but in reverse, Jesus can do the miraculous. We are invited to have faith in him. He wants faith and relationship to be what grounds the experience of his power. We can approach Jesus with whatever our realities are. And we all have expectations of Jesus. Jesus needs to be the center of our understanding of healing. So just as I come to finish, what does this mean for us sitting here tonight? Well, I believe we all have physical, mental, emotional and spiritual sicknesses to one varying degree or another. And in them, Jesus is the one we can approach and trust regardless of our circumstances. He is the one with the power to heal, to comfort. He is the answer to our spiritual sickness. His atoning work on the cross and his blood covers us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. I encourage you tonight, if you're struggling with any sort of sickness and need to know the power and love of Jesus, come forward uh, for prayer ministry. Our team would love to pray for you. If you just need someone to talk to, um, please take us up on that opportunity. Jesus loves you. And he longs for you to know that love even deeper. So if you take anything away from tonight, take away that. Uh, I'm going to invite the band back up, but why don't we stand? And I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can have faith in you. I thank you that you are the resurrection and the life and for all that means for us. I thank you for your power and for your love and for your grace. And we just pray for an outpouring of that tonight. Where hearts are broken, would you heal them? Where minds are troubled, would you bring relief? Where bodies are aching and weary, would you bring comfort and strength? Would you bring hope in the midst of darkness? Amen.